Hi, and welcome to Real Talk with Rachel, with my wife, Rachel Gilbert. Did you know that God has a unique call on your life? But things like fear, insecurities, and lies keep us from experiencing God's best. This podcast will consist of real talk about real life with real people. We pray that every episode brings you one step closer to your original design so you can confidently pursue your God-given dreams. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and today we have the special guest, Jen Schmidt of the popular blog, Beauty in Bedlam. Jen recently wrote a book called Just Open the Door, so we did some real talk on hospitality, what it really means, and how to make it work for you. Some of her answers might surprise you. So let's jump right into my conversation with Jen. Hey, Jen, how are you? Hey, I am doing great. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the podcast today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. So I recently connected with you because I got a chance to read your book, Just Open the Door. And as I was reading it, literally the first chapter, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to get this lady on my podcast because she's amazing. (laughs) And um, just your heart. And the more I followed everything you're up to, I just absolutely love your heart. Oh, well, thank you. It is just um, been really an honor to be able to steward the story that God gave me. And I'm so delighted to talk about it here. Yeah. So I have a lot of questions for you today. And so we're going to just jump right in. And I would love for you to share with the listeners just a little about yourself, like your family and a bit of your story. Sure, absolutely. My name is Jen Schmidt, and I am uh, hailing right now from my kitchen table, my thrift store table that I repainted in North Carolina via Wisconsin, though. I was born and raised in Packerlands, um, but we've been in North Carolina for over 20 years, so it's definitely home. We have five children, three boys and two girls, and our eldest just got married a few months ago. He is 24, so I can't even believe that I am a mother-in-law. I feel like I just had him yesterday. So, and then our youngest just turned 15. So I still have a high schooler. Um, We had four, our first four in five years and then a a few year gap, but it's something because even though I'm, you know, a little longer in the mothering journey, it still feels like I have toddlers just, you know, yesterday. So I write on a blog called Balancing Beauty and Bedlam. I have been doing that for about 10 years before I really even knew what a blog was. I just used it kind of as a a place to just kind of put a little bit of my thoughts in while I was seeking out the, you know, beautiful moments in the midst of the bedlam. For those who don't know what bedlam is, it's just chaos. And I felt like when I started my blog, that is what I was in the midst of. And so I really wanted to purpose in my heart every single day to really, you know, lean into the fact that it's those little small moments that are really the big moments. It's those little moments. And so that's kind of how I started my blog. Well, I love that. Um, So you mentioned you're from Wisconsin. What part of Wisconsin? Uh, A suburb of Milwaukee, but my husband was born and raised in Green Bay. So we are big Packer fans. (laughs) Yeah, I asked because that's where all of my mom's family's from. And actually, everybody but her still lives up there. So yeah, so fun. (laughs) We love Wisconsin. Okay, so I want to just for a moment, pause on the blogging part of things, because I'm actually a member of Compel. And um, I recently heard your story on there about blogging and really your heart behind it. And so I know a lot of the listeners 
either have a blog or maybe not necessarily a blog, but they have some kind of ministry or business or some way that they are taking the dreams that God has put in their heart and they're putting them out to the world. And I would love for you to share, since you've been doing this for 10 years, um, I would love for you to share what you wish you had known when you first started or even just one piece of advice that you could give someone today who may be doing that exact same thing. Oh my goodness. There's so many things that run through my head on that question. I guess one thing I wish I knew, it's actually kind of the exact opposite. I'm so glad I didn't know how much blogging was going to change when I first started. Mm -hmm. I think I would have never, I wouldn't have started if I had known that there was going to be Pinterest and algorithms and SEO and, you know, we needed to optimize posts and all the technical aspects. I'm pretty certain I would have been so overwhelmed and intimidated and feeling like I just am not talented enough in those areas. I'm not technical enough. So I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have started. And so I guess I want to encourage women to release that overwhelming feeling because even though I've been doing it for 10 years, things are always changing and I still get caught up you know, with that, that feeling. And so just start, just start sharing your heart, just start sharing the story that God has given you. You have no idea where one blog post might take you. In fact, as a jumping off point, I did not set out to write this book, just open the door. I call myself an accidental writer, but it's through my blog and through social media channels that I was approached and asked if I would write on this because they have seen us living this theme of hospitality and this heart of hospitality. And so just start, don't let fear, you know, we, we say that fear is a liar. And when it comes to sharing what God has given us, Satan wants to hold us down. He wants to put all those doubts in our heart, whether it's online, in our mothering, in ministry at church. And so just step forward in faith, knowing that he's equipped you right where you are at this stage of life. And um, he's got a, a message that you're meant to share. I love that. that. That phrase that you said several times, just start, because I can relate to that so much. I actually, for the last 10 years, um, was a boot camp instructor. And that is something that I always would tell my class, you know, sometimes the hardest part is just getting to class. And then maybe that first little, you know, five minutes of warming up. And I feel like that is so applicable to our lives as well. In that oftentimes we look too much at the big picture. It's good to dream and it's good to have vision. It is. Of course, you know, we need to do that. But then sometimes that big picture can overwhelm us a little too much absolutely. and we won't even take that first baby step. And so that's why I absolutely love that. I could not agree more with just start. And I feel like the Lord really rewards our obedience whenever we're absolutely. willing to just take the first baby step, you know, and he meets us yeah. right where we are. And an amazing thing happened that we just could never have done in our own strength. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, when I first started writing the book, I'm not kidding. It took me a month at least or two months of just overthinking like that first chapter, that first introduction. I remember sitting for days after days thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I need to start with some big wow. It's, you know, you always hear like in your public speaking class, that first 30 seconds, you have to draw them in. And so I put all this pressure on myself. And I went, what am I doing? I finally remember I was in a Barnes and Noble and I said, Jen, you're overthinking everything. And I just started clicking away. I'm sitting at Barnes and Noble. I'm just, you know, and I just started writing. And I think that's applicable, whether it's like you said, with working out 
or healthy eating or hospitality. We just need to take that baby step. That's so good. So have you always been somebody who loves things that are related to hospitality or is this something that the Lord has cultivated in you? You know, I wish um, to some degree that I had a story where I was just panicked about hospitality and that the Lord allowed me to overcome that fear because it would make everything more relatable. But I actually just had it modeled for me growing up. I mean, I can think back um, and that's kind of how I start off the story is I can remember our front door and the sound that the screen door made and just how often people were coming in and out of our house. And I didn't realize that there was anything out of the ordinary about how my parents really led this open door lifestyle. I thought that everybody had done that. And so I was really fortunate to have that modeled for me. But I also know that I'm blessed to be that second generation, whereas my mom is the one who had to break out of that fear. She grew up in an alcoholic home. She was always fearful to ever, she could never have friends over. They never had people in their house because it was a more volatile situation and they didn't know, you know, the behavior. And so I'm so grateful to know she impressed upon me that our legacy starts today, no matter the past mistakes or no matter if we had modeling for, you know, mothering or for hospitality, our legacy starts today. And so she was able to take that baby step and model that for me. So I feel super grateful and fortunate for that. I love that. It's almost like you've broken those generational curses, uh, you know, the, it, it changing the, yep. the lineage. That's awesome. So I love, you know, something for me that I've struggled with is that growing up, my parents were always very hospitable and always had people in. But what was different back then, as opposed to now, and I realized your book really brought this to the light for me was uh, when I was growing up, my mom would, if people came over, just whip something up all of a sudden. And uh, like for birthdays, she would make cake and a pizza and there was no decorations. There was no Pinterest worthy parties. You know, there, yep. was, there was just she would bake and it was awesome. I mean, I loved it, you know, and my friends loved it. But now because of Pinterest and because of all these things, there's so much pressure that, oh, the party has to have a theme and you have to have matching cupcake toppers and, you know, all these, all the things that go with that. And so I realized that those pressures, I've allowed the pressures of the world to really make me feel like, well, if I can't do it all, then I just need to do nothing because I, I'm not a Pinterest worthy mother, if you will. But, you know, God really freed me from that this last year. I actually actually did a little Facebook live on this and it resonated with a lot of people in that I've discovered that I want to honor my friends who are Pinterest mm -hmm. moms, you know, so mm -hmm. I don't want yeah. to, like I have friends who, and even a sister who are so amazingly creative that when they have parties, everything does match. And that was a joy for them to do. So mm -hmm. I don't want to downplay anybody who has that gift and say, well, you're just going over the right. top. You shouldn't do this just because I don't have that gift, you right. know, but then I also want to give myself the freedom to admit, hey, I don't have that gift. And if I try to pretend like I have the gift, I'm going to never invite anybody over because it's way too much for me. <laughs> 
Oh, I so agree. Well, and isn't it crazy how social media, I mean, there's so much good, you know, you and I look at, we are able to communicate right here because of social media, but it also creates so many expectations and fears that we can't step forward. And especially when it comes to hospitality. And I always tell people, cause some of my friends say, Jen, but I love that. I love the tablescapes and I love the flower arrangements. And I go back to scripture. God is a God of creativity and beauty and order. And I mean, hey, look at Queen Esther, right? She yeah. w- she saved a nation because of her amazing banquet that she threw to a certain degree. And yet my shift that I want people to realize is those kind of events are so fun and so life-giving. And we can all think about that. But that's more of a one and done kind of event. What I want to do with people in my book is shift to this lifestyle and this legacy of hospitality that we're doing life together on a day-to-day basis that we're not just, you know, I know that that phrase is overused kind of open heart, open home, but that's really what I want people. If they have this expectation that they have to have a theme and that they have to have party, that's a party. That's not living Mm. life together, how Jesus modeled it. And so I want us to embrace those fun one and done kind of events, those are great. But what I really want us to do is see how Jesus modeled how he walked this road of welcome in his everyday life and start looking for those everyday hospitality opportunities where we can kind of welcome people, not only just into our home, but into our stories, into wherever the Lord has put us. You know, hospitality doesn't always have to occur right in our kitchen. The reason I talk a lot about the different aspects of hospitality throughout the book is because We're all in different life stages. We all have different personalities. We have different, you know, financial backgrounds. Hospitality is going to look different for every person. Um, But there's a big difference between entertaining Mm. and hospitality. There's a big difference between social entertaining, where it's very much about a one and done kind of event. And a lot of times it's all about, in a little way, making ourselves look great. Like, hey, come to my house and see how great I have everything. Whereas biblical hospitality is really kind of about bending low and honoring our guests and looking for ways to serve, looking for ways to draw them in, to encourage them. So it's kind of shifting our mentality from entertaining um, and kind of a little bit more on the selfish side. And the reason I talk about entertaining is I hate to throw Martha Stewart under the bus because she has done (laughs) a lot of great things. We've all gotten, you know, great examples, but I remember um, I own her very first book called Entertaining and her quote that stuck out to me Um, I'm going to read it. It says entertaining like cooking is a little selfish because it it really involves pleasing yourself with a guest list that will coalesce into the ideal of harmony and a menu orchestrated to your home and taste and decorations subject to your own eye. It needs to be pleasureful. And so right there, that paragraph that she says, that's the telltale difference between entertaining and hospitality. Entertaining, it, you know, seeks to elevate ourselves. Whereas how Jesus lived this life of biblical hospitality was always looking to the others. The posture was always bending low and always being generous. And he gave up the control. He was interrupted all the time. And so that's been really important for me to note that 
kind of subtle difference because when I start getting super over anxious, which we all do, we all do, you know, but when I start getting so preoccupied and how my house looks and how the food is going to look, I realize, you know, the Lord just kind of whispers, Jen, it's not about you. People just want to be welcomed. People want to do life together. And so that's just been a good red flag. Like if I am so stressed about it and overthinking it, okay, that's not coming from what Jesus wants, right? (laughs) Yeah. I want to take a minute to tell you about a tool that I can't live without called the Erin Condren Life Planner. Believe it or not, I haven't always been a get things done kind of girl. But when my husband and I bought our clinic, I was forced to get some systems in place. I bought an Erin Condren Planner and my life hasn't been the same since. It keeps me organized, it's personalized for me, and they even have fun stickers to make things pretty. The Life Planner is just one of the many products Erin Condren sells, but it's my personal favorite. Erin Condren is giving away a $75 gift card to one lucky listener. All you have to do is leave an iTunes review in the month of August. And if you've already left an iTunes review, simply share this podcast on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, and be sure to tag me at Rachel J. Gilbert on Instagram and at Rachel Joy Gilbert on Facebook. So you're entered. So the link to shop Erin Condren is in the show notes also. I hope you have fun picking out that planner. You took the words out of my mouth because that was one thing I was going to bring up to you is that reading your book, I honestly was challenged and convicted when I read that part about serving versus entertaining is how I you know, remembered it. And that to remember that whenever I'm in entertainment mode, it's all about me at that point, you know, and it's, it's right, not about right. serving my guests. And I think about myself when I've gone to people's homes, I actually remember more vividly the moments, not when their home was spick and span, you couldn't find a, a crumb on the floor, not when they had prepared the most beautiful meal, not that those things aren't amazing, right, but right. I was more impacted by the homes I've been in that they just welcomed me. You could tell when they opened the door, they were truly happy that I was there. Um, it Absolutely. wasn't like I created this atmosphere of anxiety because you can feel that in someone's home oh, <laughs> when you walk oh, in and, and they're oh, anxious and you know you can tell there's been maybe a few fights that took place in order to prepare for you to be there. You almost are like, oh, okay, I think I'm going to just go now because you know you can just sense that atmosphere in a home and I never want anybody to come into my home and sense tension or anxiety. Well, and isn't it funny how we can say that about when we go to other people's house, Mm -hmm. because I think you hit the nail on the head. If we think back on the time, the most vivid recollection of hospitality, it definitely wasn't a big, huge party. It was those times where that person, that host just invested in us and listened to us and was there with us. Right. And yet we don't give ourselves the same kind of, um, We don't allow ourselves to do that. We're just stressed. And this last week, I, in fact, the last two weeks, I have been in nonstop hospitality mode. Either people have been in our house or I've been in other people's homes. And I'm going to tell you, I had a really uncomfortable day in the home of somebody because they wouldn't stop working the whole time I was there. They were like fixing the food and doing the dishes and, and making sure. And I couldn't relax. Mm -hmm. Like two hours went by and I honestly thought I haven't communicated with this person because she was so busy trying to make sure everything was okay and that everything looked good and that the food was prepared. And I left that evening, not really having 
talked with her much. And it was a very good eye opener for me because I know I've probably done the same thing. Mm -hmm. I know I've probably done the same thing. Um, And I never, I want people to leave our home feeling that they were so loved on and so heard and welcomed. And I know not everybody is like that, but I really want to give the feeling like they could come and that they could kick their feet up on our couch. And I mean, they are so relaxed that they could take a nap if they wanted to, you know? Yeah. And I love that. I think you put in your book a story along these lines. I honestly, I had, it made me gasp a little bit when I read this about the couple that at church, you just met for the first time, invited you over for lunch. Yeah. And I honestly was so convicted because I thought I have never done that to anybody because my mind would immediately be like, I'm pretty sure we left stuff strung all over the house, you know, like all the things. And so that really convicted me to do exactly what you just mentioned about just open your home and let people feel welcomed and loved and not to worry so much. I mean, it's all everything is so interesting how it's so full circle, because isn't it interesting how our bodies, for example, you know, us women, sometimes we get really caught up in what do I look like? You know, is my hair and makeup done? Have I lost my Mm -hmm. 10 pounds? When really, again, people just care about the relationship with us. Like we are way more aware of what we look like than other people notice. And so I think that I see so many parallels in different areas of our life in that regard. Yeah. And, you know, Satan is, he's no fool. It has been working since Eve, right? When he attacks our self-worth and our value. I mean, he's like, it's been working for thousands of years. So why, why mess with my plan now? And I think he does the same thing with hospitality. You know, there's just so many fears. And when we take that step and we just open the door, we are inviting people into our home where we're really vulnerable. I mean, we are setting ourselves up for possible judgment and remarks. And, you know, while I would love to encourage everybody that it's all like glitter and unicorns and Mm. cupcake frosting, you know, there are going to be difficult times. There are going to be hard conversations and things are going to go wrong. And yet I look at those times as he's just making me become more like him when I'm going through those difficult hosting opportunities, I'm able to look back and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? You know, how are you refining me in this process? And opening your door is, has a lot of muscle memory. It's probably similar since you do a lot with exercise. When you first start out, it's super hard. And those first few times you're going to be anxious and you're going to be nervous and it's not going to come as naturally. But the more you open your door, just like the more you exercise, the more muscle memory it becomes. And pretty soon the conversations, you're able to facilitate conversations much easier. You pretty soon have three recipes that you can do in your sleep that, you know, you don't need to do 10 different recipes. Just always cook the thing you love and that you can cook. You know, people don't care or buy a rotisserie chicken and cut it off and you've got a great chicken salad. And so I like to think of it, the more you invite, the easier it becomes. There's a natural habit that forms the more you do it. That's such good advice. That's really encouraging to me too. So I have to tell you that as I was reading your book, I just asked the Lord to give me wisdom and creative ideas on how Mm -hmm. to Um, have more of a hospitality type mindset and heart. And one thing he put on my heart to do, which is totally, I know God, because it's just, 
outside of the ordinary, but I'm really praying. I haven't done it yet, but it's I have the balls in motion. I'm praying it'll open up conversation, but I am a blogger and I get a lot of books to review. And so mm-hmm. I have just a ton of books. And recently I was just asking the Lord, I'm like, Lord, what should I do with all these books? Because they're amazing books, but I've read them. You right. know, sometimes I'll give them away. And he put it on my heart to have a free library made to put in front of our house. Like, have you ever, have you ever seen it. those? Yes, yeah. I love those. <laughs> so I have one. One of my friend's husband is actually making one for me, and um, I'm going to get it registered. And so it's going to be, uh, and now I'm praying my HOA does not disapprove of this idea. Right, right. Um, but if they do, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But we have a business. We'll put it there if they disapprove. But I'm really praying that as I let the community know, hey, we have this free library. It's always going to be stocked with books that people will come initially thinking they're coming for the books, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, maybe they'll get to, maybe we'll be outside and we'll get to strike up a conversation and invite them in and, you know, just different things. And so I'm excited to see what comes from that. And it's just so, I love how God really, it goes back to that whole, just start and just ask him, you know, what's in my hand that I can do. And so I feel like this is something in this season of life that is a way for me to hopefully get to know our neighbors a little more and our community a little more and invite them into our yard and then, you know, on into our home as we get to know each other better. Oh, I love that. And I cannot wait. You definitely are going to have stories from that. And I can't wait to see how the Lord uses that. Because absolutely, as people come to your front you know, driveway, you're absolutely going to have opportunities to get to know your neighbors. And oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah, so I'm excited for the stories that will come. So, okay, um, we are almost out of time, but I... Oh, gal, I we know. just got started, didn't I we? know, we just got started. <laughs> and so we we still have about a little over five minutes left. So, but here's what we're going to do, because for those of you listening, if you don't follow me on Facebook and Instagram, you need to go do that, because what I do is before and after the podcast, I try to keep conversation going around whatever the topic is that we're discussing. And so just yesterday, I actually shared about... Jen's book and I asked if anybody had any questions and you guys had some amazing questions and so I narrowed it down to nine questions I don't know that we're going to get through them but what I think Jen we're going to do we're going to kind of do like a rapid fire I'll read you one of their questions and you just do as quick as an answer as you want now I will tell you for those of you listening all of these questions I'm going to ask her she addresses them in her book. So I'm sure she's not going to have time today to like go into as much detail as she would in her book. So you just need to get her book. But I think it'll still be fun to kind of read some of these questions to you that you guys gave me and um, hear what she has to say. So the first one is, and I think this is a great question because I have thought this exact same thing. What's the best way to invite people in if you're not thrilled about the way the inside of your home looks? Oh, gal, that is when I ask women what keeps them from having people in, it's their home isn't good enough or decorated or big enough. They don't know what to cook and they feel that they're an introvert or their personality. They can't do it. So I think that there's simple things to do. I'm a huge yard sailor, a huge repurposer. And sometimes, for instance, my kitchen table is 30 years old and I have been looking for a brand new kitchen table. And I wrote the book, but I also have the latest Lifeway women's Bible study is out on the same topic. And they were coming to shoot at my house. And 
talk about all the things I wrote about, I was experiencing that same panic. My house isn't good enough. You know, it's all yard sale stuff. Well, instead of buying a new table, I repainted it and I repainted my front door. So in two hours, I had this new, beautiful, fun door and I felt like a new to me kitchen table and I painted the chairs and just doing one simple thing like repurposing something that you already own. I am a big proponent in shopping your house. And a lot of times if you just clear up the clutter, uh, it starts there. (laughs) And I can say that because I'm kind of a, I'm definitely a type Z in my cleaning. I make sure that my kitchen and my bathroom are clean, but don't open any doors because (laughs) you may um, have a concussion by what falls out of the closet. So I agree so much with this advice because I recently this summer have been on a decluttering kick and I can't tell you all of a sudden I feel like I could totally have people over because really then if I wanted to, all I need to do is run the vacuum or something, you know, because everything's already just not out and junked out even just when we're home. So I love that. And one little tip on the decluttering. I know sometimes it can feel overwhelming and I'm not even lying. Just get a big empty Rubbermaid and run around your house. Do not think like, oh, should I give this to Goodwill? Just throw everything, all the clutter Mm. on your tables, all the clutter in the Rubbermaid, run it upstairs and you will be amazed at how much better your house looks. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so the next one's another one that I hear a lot. Um, She says, we opened our home to host a Bible study and I found it difficult deciding what food to put out as nearly all were on some sort of diet. So how do you decide what food or snacks to provide without breaking the bank or wasting food, yet having something for everyone to enjoy? I know it is crazy because it's like the gluten free Mm -hmm. or the whole 30 or whatever. And I think with something like that, if you host a Bible study and people are on strict diets, then you don't have to provide all the food. I Mm -hmm. say have everybody bring something. It's not only good for the pocketbook because you're all sharing the cost, but then you're not having to really stress about dietary restrictions. For me, though, if I am providing the food, if you're doing like a dinner, I always do something like a burrito bowl because it attacks kind of every diet. You can offer chicken and beef, but then you can have rice and beans and cheese and have it all set out and lettuce. And people can kind of put together their own, whether they want like a taco salad or whether they want it wrapped in a burrito. And you're covering every food group. You're covering vegetarians, Whole30, people who love their meat and proteins. And so I'll do that a lot. Yeah. And I do know a lot of people who are on a super strict diet usually are pretty prepared when they go anywhere. Yes. I've noticed like they know exactly. what they can eat. And a lot of times they'll just bring their own something. So and or, they're, understand, uh-huh. they're, they're understanding about it. I mean, sometimes whenever it's funny, because whenever I have moms and kids over, I don't go all out. I always make homemade popcorn because nobody makes homemade popcorn. It's always microwave. So homemade popcorn and I cut up apples and I have lemonade and then maybe every once in a while, I'll make muffins or something. And so I go super simple. And, you know, people still want to come over. People still ask to come over. They've never said, oh my goodness, Jenna only serves popcorn and apples. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, Okay, so the next question actually was asked by, I think, three or four different people. And so I'll just break it down into one. And basically their question was, and one lady wrote it this way, I'm an includer and always feel bad about not being able to include everyone when having a get together, but I'm limited on space. So is there a better approach to this? Oh, first of all, I love that she is 
being sensitive that, to that. Because with social media, we all mm-hmm. have been in the position where we've seen pictures go up and we weren't the ones invited, mm-hmm. right? And it's and I think that that's the downside of social media because as we become more connected online, quite frankly, are in real life women, we are more lonely than ever before. We are craving connection and community and it's just not happening as much. So I love the fact that she's being sensitive to that. I would, okay, that's a tricky one. Sometimes I do tell people I'm a mentor mom for young moms and I have a really hard time. There's a few of these small groups that every time they get together, they put up lots of pictures on social media. And it's really created kind of a harmful situation because other moms in our Sunday school class want to be part of that group and they're not. Mm. And so I have talked to some of them about limiting how much they post online. There's just not really the need to be kind of posting as much. But I also might say if you're trying to make your rounds about inviting people, I'd say put something up on Facebook and just say, I really want to start inviting people over. So if you haven't been invited, don't worry you know, over the next year, I'm going to get around to trying to have all different people over. I mean, maybe just do a blanket statement like that so that people don't feel like, oh, she's, you know, definitely excluding me. I love that advice because, you know, the title of this podcast is Real Talk with Rachel. And I feel like that's my heart. And what I see so much is a lot of times the hurts that we do to each other could totally be avoided if we would just talk about it up front. Like, hey, mm-hmm. this is what's happening. And this is why. And, you know, yeah. I, I mean, just literally bringing something into the light and it doesn't take much time, yeah. even if, you know, whether you need to do an actual phone call or like you said, a message right. just to all your friends or whatever, and just let them know what it is. And that you're not intentionally leaving them out of something, um, then right. it just immediately takes away any territory the enemy could have had to go start whispering lies into our heads. <laughs> exactly. And giving women the benefit of the doubt. I think that has been this year my biggest emphasis, especially when it comes to online interaction and texting. And there's so much miscommunication that occurs because you can't hear the tenor of a voice and you Mm -hmm. can't see facial expressions. And so even last night, somebody told me about a situation with a text message. And I just said, pick up the phone. Do not read into what you think and give that person the benefit of the doubt. I am really trying to give people the benefit of the doubt before I jump to conclusions, you know, through a text or whatever. Yeah, that's so good. All right. And then another question that I saw a couple times repeated, and one was, she said, how do you work hosting people with young kids at home? And she said, at the end of the days, I'm spent and I don't have the energy to host anyone at my house. And then another girl kind of replied to her comment and said, yes, whenever, basically when she's got little kids with her, she feels like they're chasing the kids and not really getting to talk to each other. And if you have any ideas around that. Yeah. Okay. So I've got a couple of different ideas. I mean, one might be, um, we used to host a couple's Bible study, but none of us could afford like babysitting. Holy cow. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to be really rich to, uh, you know, afford a night out. And I'll be honest with our five little ones, we didn't do a lot outside the home. We didn't do a lot of date nights. Um, I wish we did more, but we were really struggling financially. We just couldn't afford it. So what we did do is every other week we hosted a young couple's Bible study and we hired one teenage girl to come over and take all the kids upstairs. And it was chaos. And we all pitched in just a couple bucks and we were able to meet while the kids were upstairs. And, you know, we don't have a big playroom, so it was kind of chaotic, but it was works, even if it's for just, you know, 
two hours, you put in a movie, she was told to just kind of try and corral the kids upstairs. Um, mm-hmm. So you might want to try that. Pitch in money where everybody's just, you know, having a few dollars to watch the kids while you greet. Otherwise, I know, I mean, we are all exhausted in those early seasons of mothering and it feels like putting one more thing on our plate, but I can guarantee you it is so worth it because otherwise we really can get lonely. We can begin to feel like we're the only ones struggling with certain things. So welcome your friends in that also have the kids running around, you know, do life together, fold laundry together. I used to do a meal making thing where once a month I would invite girls over and we would spend four hours and we would make a whole bunch of freezer meals together and we would leave. So it was one of those things that not only was it life-giving because we did like the mundane drudgery of meals together, but then we had fun and, you know, laughed and we went home with all these meals in our freezers. So try and maybe think creatively instead of viewing it as one more thing on your plate, try and think creatively. And I give a ton of creative ideas in the book, but it will be worth it. It's one of those things, like you said, when you start off, it's like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. And then at the end of the time together, you're like, I'm so glad I need to do this more. The goal of hospitality in whatever way, and I know we've kind of touched on more superficial like interactions, but really it is about pointing others to the glory of God. And when I look at all the ministry opportunities that I've been given, or whether it's a worship leader or even writing this book now, or for, you know, speaking at a conference, those are all like wonderful opportunities the Lord's given me. But when I look back on the decades of what was, had the biggest kingdom impact, what had the biggest opportunity for our family to link arms and point people to the glory of God. It's really when we just opened our door and invited people in and let them see the good, the bad, and the ugly of how the Schmitz do life together. And hopefully like amidst our messy, we are showing God's love to other people. And so, um, especially for those people who are looking for this bigger calling, you know, maybe they're like, Lord, is this all you have? Like blowing noses and wiping booties, <laughs> you know, and teaching Sunday school. Um, sometimes we want something bigger and bolder for God. And yet I think if we look at one person that has impacted our lives, it probably wasn't the book that you read or the conference speaker that you heard. I mean, those are important things. I hope that my book is impacting. I know it is. I get stories every day of how this book is impacting lives, but I really believe it's the life on life relationships, the mentoring, the discipleship, or the just communion and koinonia kind of amongst the body of believers that we have when we open our door. I love that you just wrapped it up so beautifully that you said the goal of hospitality is to point to the glory of God. And I feel like that is exactly, you know, while all these questions are amazing and you do a great job of answering them in your book, I think at the end of the day, if we catch the vision of what hospitality Mm -hmm. is, then we will figure out all the details later as we go, you know, and um, I think that it's, it is a tricky place. I have to watch myself from getting into, oh, you do this, let me try that. And then and then I'm like, why did yeah. that not work for me? Well, it's because it's what God told you to do, not what he told me to do. And so, yeah, so I love that you said that, though, that that's the goal of it. <laughs> 
Yeah, because it's so funny. You'd think, okay, I wrote a book, 65,000 words on hospitality. You would think I wouldn't have any more to say. And yet, as I started researching and diving into the scripture, oh my goodness, I ended up writing an entire Bible study on biblical hospitality because as I dug into the theology of the gospel, it's the hands and feet walking out hospitality is exactly what Jesus did. And it starts way back in Genesis when God and his hospitable nature, you know, his very first act was welcoming us into the garden. And it is woven throughout scripture till the culmination in Revelation when we are gathered around the table at the marriage feast. And so, oh my gosh, I get excited and passionate that as women start diving into this topic, they're going to be so overcome with, oh my goodness, hospitality is the working and walking out of the gospel. You're not going to be able to say no to opening your door. <laughs> so I get excited about that as, as women start kind of unveiling the myth of entertaining and buying into the truth of the gospel. Oh, such wise counsel. I love that. All right. So we did not get to get through all of the questions that you guys asked on Facebook and Instagram, but I want to encourage you that every single question I read, I promise you that Jen approaches it and answers them in her book. So you just need to go grab her book. Uh, you have a section in there. Is it called the Dear Jen section? Is that what you called it? Yes. Okay. Yep. At the end of every chapter. Yeah. Yep, these these kind of questions yes. are at the end of every chapter. Yeah. So you definitely just need to grab her book in the Bible study. So as we wrap up, Jen, I know people are going to want to know how they can stay in touch with you and what you're up to next. Could you just share a little bit more with us about where people can find you online? Sure. I would say first, you can find me on Instagram. I'm there most of the time at Jen Schmidt underscore beauty and bedlam. Otherwise, I have 10 years of chicken scratch over at beautyandbedlam.com. And um, I'm excited. Every year I host a conference called the Becoming Conference, and it kind of takes the topics of my blog, the furniture painting and the saving money and hospitality and all different fun topics. And we just get together and talk about those in real life. So that's a fun thing too. But yeah, you can find Just Open the Door, How One Invitation Can Change a Generation on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jen, again, for taking time out of your busy life and um, hopping on here and just encouraging us. And we appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I know today's episode went a little long, but Jen was full of so much wisdom that I didn't think you'd mind listening a little longer. Thank you to those of you who submitted questions for Jen on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to follow me both places so we can keep the conversation going before and after these podcasts go live. Also, don't forget to leave those iTunes reviews and share this podcast on social media for your chance to win the $75 Erin Condren gift card. That's all for today, friends. I will chat with you next time here on Real Talk with Rachel.